Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. May 1st to 7th is Choose Privacy Week. We're right in the middle of it. It was originated and run by the American Library Association and supported by a number of other concerned organizations, ranging from the Society of American Archivists to the Electronic Privacy Information Center. The idea behind the week and the site, which is located at chooseprivacyweek.org, is expressed pretty simply at that website. Quote, In an information age, it's vital to protect the impulse to be curious, read, and learn. Yet people seem resigned to the loss of their privacy rights because they see no recourse. We aim to spark a national conversation on privacy. End quote. Some web users, of course, are not concerned about privacy online and control over their personal information. Those folks are about 9% of web users in the U.S., according to the Pew Research Center. The other 91% of us feel that we've lost control over how our personal information is collected and used by companies. So, what happens when companies have a lot of data about us? Most of us are well aware that various services track our movements on the web if we don't take steps to deter them, and then they sell information about us to advertisers. Those advertisers then profile us and try to tailor ads to us that will make us open our wallets. We know this, we don't love it, but we live with it because we don't feel we have much choice. A friend of the Electronic Cottage recently went online to rent a car. This person had rented a car recently from a particular company and was surprised to see that the price was considerably more than she paid two weeks ago. She didn't want to pay what she considered an overly high price, so she went and looked at a different car rental website. The price there wasn't much better than what she paid previously, so she returned to the original rental site and voila, the price was back to what she had paid previously. This all occurred in the course of two or three minutes. What the heck happened? What happened was probably every marketer's dream, individualized pricing, or what's referred to in economics as differential pricing. The ultimate goal of this kind of pricing is to figure out what the maximum price that any person will pay is for an item and to offer that item to the person at that maximum price. We're all familiar with differential pricing. Airlines, for example, do it all the time. They change prices sometimes every minute. The likelihood that the person sitting next to you on a flight paid exactly what you paid for the same kind of seat is therefore very small. And that could have very well been what happened to our friend. The company she had rented from before tried to offer a higher price, hoping that she'd be happy with her previous rental experience and would just pay it. When she went to another site to check prices and then returned to the original site, computer algorithms may have moved the price down to what she paid before so that the rental company, who knew where she'd gone, lowered the price so that it wouldn't lose a sale. Differential pricing depends on knowing a lot about a potential buyer. It's not just advertisements that result from collecting data about us. The price we see for items online can also, and often is, determined by what companies know about us. 
While we aren't yet in a place where each person is targeted with a very individualized price based on their personal data, we are heading in that direction. Just for fun, ask a friend to price the very same item that you're pricing on their machine in a different location. If your friend is in a different income group, all the better. See if you both get offered the same price for the same item. You may be surprised. Just as search engine results are more and more determined by what the search engine company knows about you, so increasingly are prices. Maybe if those 9% of people who are not concerned about losing control over their personal information knew that they could be hit in the pocketbook, as well as being increasingly, as Emily Dickinson once put it, so public like a frog, they might be a bit more eager to choose privacy. Which brings us to Congress's recent decision overturning FCC rules that would have made internet service providers get your permission, referred to as opting in, in order for them to track and sell your web browsing history to advertisers. We've looked at this issue in past programs and suggested some steps that we can take to minimize web tracking by ISPs in addition to doing simple things like carefully controlling cookies on our machines. Here are some of those steps in increasing order of energy that it takes to be used by a user. First, use only sites whose address begins with HTTPS instead of only HTTP. The S stands for secure. Many modern web browsers warn you when you're not opening an HTTPS site. Check the menu bar in your browser. In Firefox, for example, note the color of the little lock, whether it's green, red, or yellow. A browser add-in called HTTPS Everywhere from the Electronic Frontier Foundation is very helpful too. Second, check your ISP's website or call them and actively opt out of ISP tracking and selling your personal information. Third, use browser add-ons like TrackMeNot from New York University to generate a lot of web requests automatically for websites that you never go to. This creates a lot of noise that masks your real web requests and makes it more difficult for tracking services to profile you accurately. Fourth, call your congresspeople and tell them what you care about on the web. Finally, use a virtual private network, a VPN. A VPN essentially hides where you're going and what you're doing on the web from everyone but you and the VPN provider. In this case, obviously, trusting your VPN is critically important. But how do we find a good trustable virtual private network if we want to use one? Security expert Brian Krebs has written a very helpful blog post on this very question called Post-FCC Privacy Rules. Should you VPN? It's easily findable on the web, and we'll put a link to this article and to the software mentioned today on the Notes from the Electronic Cottage webpage at www. .weru.org. If you feel like law and commercial practice on the web have conspired to loosen any control you might have had on your personal information online, you are part of 91% of Americans who feel the same way. We'll do our best to keep an eye on developments that affect our privacy on the web 
as well as other effects of digital technology on our everyday lives during Choose Privacy Week and all year round, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.